everybody. Hi. Um, welcome to this year's Black History Month Convocation. We are the Black Student Union leaders. Um, my name is Kara Wilson, and I'm a film and theater major. This is Alicia Pickett. Thank you. Hi, I'm Alicia Pickett. I'm an interdisciplinary major, and I have environmental science, biology, and sustainable food systems, and this is Zach Begley. Hi, I'm Zach Begley. I'm a journalism and broadcasting major. <laughs> All right, so for this year's convocation, we'll be mainly looking at how um, people of color are integrating into a predominantly white institution. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the term, it's basically meaning an institution of learning that has more than 50% um, of that po student population being white. So. so we would like to invite our panelists on the stage for you today. Um, yeah. So if they would like to come up. I realize. <laughs> So we're going to oh, <clears throat> so we're going to ask the panelists to introduce themselves for you guys. So, whoever wants to start, yeah. Hi, I'm Lauren Ford. I'm the assistant volleyball coach here at Goshen. I'm Harold Watson, director of athletics. I am Talia Borum. I'm a senior majoring in Spanish with a marketing minor. Uh, I'm Jesse Lone. I'm the academic counselor here. So the first question we have for all of you um, is, when have you ever felt isolated or singled out while in a classroom of space with predominantly, that is predominantly white? Any of you can answer. It doesn't really I can, matter. I can go first. Um, so this is my fourth, 14th year in higher ed, and with the exception of one year where I, I spent at a HBCU, um, I would say that in most settings, I'm typically the only uh, African-American male in the room. So I'd say that, I mean, that's, that's a normal occurrence for me. Um, I don't know if, if anyone else has had that experience. Uh, yeah, as a student, um, as an employee now, growing, growing up in Goshen, um, most most settings I was in, whether out in public or in private with family, is always, I'm kind of the only one of color. Um, it bothered me a lot growing up, but now I kind of embrace it. Um, again, being in Goshen, I know it's not gonna change anytime soon. Um, but yeah, it's something I'm proud of, and, and I, I liked my voice to be heard in those spaces. I think um, my entire life, when I've been in the minority in any group or situation, I've had that happen to me. Um, it could be something as small as, uh, I'll give you an example, like when I was a junior, my teacher literally <laughs> singled me out of the classroom and asked me my personal feeling about slavery, although I'm very detached from it. Um, but she asked me uh, as if I had been there, but she didn't ask anybody else. So it's just like little things like that that aren't really like offensive off the top, but when you think about it, it's kind of like, you know, I wasn't there, but I, you know, I hear it was terrible type thing. Yeah, um, I'll just kind of echo what everyone else has said. 
Um, and a specific example would be, um, that came to mind would be from last year, I was in a class here at GC, um, and we were doing like a real world application where I was working with Maple City Market um, and like food systems. And we were working with them to throw this event for National Food Co-op Month. Um, and so I was at the event and someone came up to me and they're like, so what brings you here? Um, and at the time I kind of just got frustrated of why are you questioning my presence and my existence of being here and you didn't think to question anyone else. Um, I was the only black person, the only black woman. Um, and that happens quite often, especially being in these settings where it's predominantly white and I am used to being the minority. Um, thank you. So have you found the classroom topic mattered with how your classroom experience changes? Yeah. So what we're asking is as um, in, in the school setting, all of yeah, as students or former students, has what has been spoke, so the topic of the day in the classroom affected how you felt being isolated or singled out in a classroom setting? I can go first with that one. Um, I'd say yes, it's happened numerous times. Um, I'm guessing like the first time it happened to me here at Goshen was sort of um, freshman year um, at one of the ICC classes where I just felt like the whole topic in general encompassed like African-Americans, but because I was practically the only African-American, it was very like, hey, what's up? Like, how do you feel about these topics? And what goes on? Like, I'm just there not really knowing who I am, but just assuming who I am and where I'm from and things like that. So questions about poverty and hair and yeah. Just questions of character that don't really define people, a person, yeah. For those of you who are, who are or were athletes, have you found race mattering as much in this space or in the camaraderie of sports? Yeah, so uh, for the past four years, I've been on the Goshen College women's soccer team. Shout out to my teammates. <laughs> um, but I've also played soccer for pretty much all of my life. Um, and there was an instance last year um, at Grace where there was an issue where students had wrote on the wall, black people don't belong here. Um, but the term wasn't black people, it was the N-word. Um, and so why is that important? Because that's Grace, not Goshen. Um, but so that was about a week before we were playing Grace and my mom had somehow seen it in the news and she texted me and was like, this just happened at Grace. Like you need to be aware of this for your game next week and you need to make sure you're careful um, because you never know what fans, what refs or other players on the other team are thinking. Um, and so like soccer is supposed to be this place where I'm just supposed to be free and it's supposed to be my outlet, but I'm having to go to the game being aware of this incident where students at Grace were saying black people don't belong here. Um, and that's just one example of where, even though it's sports, race does matter. 
Um, I can also think of another example of where a coach had told me he wasn't playing me because he wanted to build the confidence of another player because she was a little less confident. And growing up, my parents have always told me, like, people are going to doubt you. You need to have self-confidence. And this was something that I had been building. Um, and soccer is supposed to be a place where talent is supposed to, like, speak. It's not supposed to – you're not supposed to build – I mean, you do build their confidence, but why am I being punished for being a confident player instead of my talent? Um, so race is still very much a part of my experience as a soccer player and playing sports. I think just to piggyback up for what you said, for sure, um, sports is supposed to be a place where we forget all that stuff, but it has been instances where we've had to protect our teammates no matter what like, gym we are. So being a person of color, uh, I grew up in Indianapolis, so there were certain gyms that we literally just had to be vigilant of where we were, um, depending on where we were in Indiana. Um, you've had recent cases where uh, my alma mater, Lawrence North, where the girls went up to bed for North Lawrence, and the kids dressed as gorillas. There's just the small things where you have to like kind of hold your teammates and just protect them, make sure that you guys all get out of the gym without being, you know, verbally attacked. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. And, and especially, it's, it's emphasized just because, like as she said, sports is supposed to be a place where none of this matters. It's kind of the thing that kind of pulls us together. Um, but it's still something that you have to, as a person of color, uh, you have to acknowledge where you are in the world, where you are in Indiana, you know, what high school you're at, because you just never know what type of people are there. I think my experience is a little different. Um, being, uh, I played football in college, and if you know anything about football, it's a brotherhood, and you build that camaraderie and, and those things that go along. So it, we look past, the, or at least during that, my experience, we were able to look past some of the racial lines and, and things like that. I think as a, a black male, my experience comes on the other side when I'm in the classroom or something and people are, assuming that I'm where I am because of my athletic pursuits and not validating, you know, what I do in the classroom. Um, I was one of the few football players that was an English major. And you get the stares and you get the, you have people say things to you like, oh, but why are you in that class or things like that? Well, because I'm smart, I'm as smart as you are. Or I, I'm able to handle the academic rigors of what I was going through. Um, so from my experience, that's where I dealt with it a lot. and. Our, our students of color will tell you, I, I have conversations with them all the time because I want to make sure that they're being treated a certain way when they go to class and things like that. Because of my experience, I don't want our student athletes of color to have that same experience. I want people to value them, whether they're a, the starter on our basketball team or they're the last person coming off the bench um, for whatever team they participate on. So the uh, next question we have for you, how does working in a place that does not have a lot of people of color impact you um, in a multifaceted of ways? Uh, for me, um, I think because of my background, Zach knows this. Zach and I grew up in the same city that is a, a pretty uh, diverse community. So for me, it's not a huge ordeal um, outside of the fact maybe if I say something someone might take it in the, the wrong light, but I think the, the good thing for me is that 
most people take it in the wrong, the wrong light if, if it comes across a certain way. Um, so those things don't bother me, but I, I, I'd say that that's probably the number one thing that I get is, well, maybe you should phrase it in a different manner um, because maybe someone doesn't under, understand my cultural background or, or the nuances to how we say certain things. I think I'm... Um I think my, my experience in a professional manner, I'm already a, a kind of uh, aggressive looking figure anyways, just because I'm 6'3", but I think the fact that I am a woman and I am a person of color and um, in the job, the arena where I work, I'm very passionate about things. It's come off as, and I've been told, aggressive. Um, and that's tough because to see like my male counterparts be able to do things and then if I do it, it's just like, like I've been carded for things that I have seen, and carded's like in volleyball, if you have an infraction. It's kind of like a technical, I guess. Um, I've been carded, just example, I've been carded for things that my male counterparts do all the time. All the time, I've been carded at for coaching my own team. I've been carded for aggressively putting my clipboard down. It's, it's the little things like that. Um, and a lot of people will say, you know, you're not approachable, Lauren, you know, because you're not smiling. Just the stuff that, you know, us women get all the time. Why don't you smile? Um, well, you know, I got a head cold, I don't know. Didn't feel like it today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's the little things and I, you know, there, I always say like, I, there has to be two Laurens when I come out. There's gotta be the one that people are comfortable with because if you're not comfortable with it, you're just not, you're just gonna, you know, just, I don't know the word I want to say. You want to, you're just going to dismiss me immediately. So there always has to be that, Lauren, the warm, the welcoming, the smiling all the time, uh, Lauren. And, you know, especially when I'm coaching, it's just like, I'm aggressive and I'm passionate about what I do. And I'm, I hate to say the E word, but emotional. But like in the sports arena, you're supposed to be. Like that's, I spent my whole life doing that, so. I think there's a big difference and I kind of envy my counterparts when it comes to that just because I'm judged for it. <laughs> um, kind of just going off of what um, Lauren said about how people say that she's unapproachable and that she has to smile. Um, there's been so many times where people will tell me like, I was so scared of you when I first met you or like you really intimidated me. And I'm just like, I haven't even said two words to you. How are you scared of me? Um, just things like that. And I think it's really draining um, to always be in those situations where I'm the only black girl um, and to have people tell me these types of things. So I definitely think it can be very draining to be in these spaces that are not for you. Um, piggybacking off of all three, uh, phrasing, as Harold was talking about, like, I feel like I have to limit certain things or say them in a way that everyone in the room can understand, where in reality, like, I just kind of want to say it how I want to say it. Um, and Lauren was saying, like, two, two Laurens. Um, growing up, going out to local businesses, things like that, I felt like I had to portray the, the nice young black kid instead of just walking in and being me. Um, part of that was just being in a town like this and not having, you know, people like me kind of go everywhere. Um, but I, I felt like I needed to put the business owner, for example, at ease so that I could have, you know, a time of my own. Whereas as I get older, I'm kind of like, I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, I'm just going to be me. And, and if I have a problem, like I can sort it out 
in a calm manner and talk to somebody. Um, but yeah, it definitely, as you said, it can be draining um, to have to do that, you know, day in, day out, week in, week out, um, your whole life. But you kind of learn a lot about how people approach you or whether you're, you know, you come off aggressive or things like that. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with that. It's always two sides. And in Chicago, we have this thing where, I don't know if it's anywhere else, of course, but um, we have this thing where it's like when you go outside, you portray and you have like the white side of you show. And it's like a saying to say that you have the professional and the not born on the south side or the west side of Chicago um, personality portrayed. So being very professional and saying every word with um, every syllable um, and dressing a way that you wouldn't normally dress at all or a way that just doesn't define you, but it shows in a systematic place that you are that person to be able to work or that person to do things for someone else. Um, so just putting on a mask, I feel like, um, is, has like affected a lot of the things I do depending on where I go and who I'm with and talking to and stuff, so. Um, how do you feel that stereotypes affect you? I feel stereotypes affect me because people are just expecting something else, but they're getting something else. And so, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to put into words. It's hard to put into words. People expect me, it's the two Lawrence thing. People expect me to know, I'll give you an example. People expect me to know like, oh, so you're from the hood. Oh, so your parents didn't go to college. And these have been like teachers who have said this to me. And I've been like, no, both of my parents are college educated. My mom has several degrees, you know. So people expect me to have, like, come from poverty. And, um, you know, I've been described as ghetto just because of a hairstyle. You know, that's a simple one. We, we have to be careful how we use that word because it's really not its meaning, correct? Um, even in the sports arena, you know, I've been known as athletic, but not volleyball, high volleyball IQ, whereas my teammates were like, Oh, she's very volleyball skilled. She just can't jump. Um, I've had coaches say, hey, I didn't recruit you here to be slow. Okay, I get it. You know, but the way she said it and the manner she said it was in a comparison to a, a, an athlete that, you know, wasn't me, that didn't look like me. So it's just the little things. Like sometimes it just, some things aren't prejudiced on the top. They just come off as it. Like, you know, we're not trying to say, not me, I'm not trying to say, oh, you're racist or you're prejudiced against this, but sometimes it's a little insensitive, I think is the word. Um, not everybody's alike, everyone is cre you know, born different. Um, just because I look like somebody else does not mean that we are the same person. Um, you know, a lot of times I've gained a lot of brothers and cousins just because people thought we were related because we're the same skin tone. Um, so I, I think it's just the little things like that that I always have to like deal with on top of the other nuances of, that happens in your daily life. Um, and it's kind of magnified when I'm surrounded by or when I'm the minority in groups. 
uh, I think for me, um, stereotypes, they don't necessarily affect me. I think I've, I've, I've I mean, I, I don't mind telling people this story. I've, I grew up in a family that, for whatever reason, everyone always told me that I was going to be great. Um, so I believed it. Um, I think my issue with stereotypes is it tells me more about the person that's coming at it from that standpoint and assuming that I'm something that I'm not or that I'm one way or I'm the other. Um, it tells me more about you um, if you can't walk up to me in the same manner that I might walk up to you and see you as a person. Um, and I think as a, as a father, as an uncle, um, as a leader of a department, I try to stress that upon my staff and the, the people that I deal with day in and day out. Don't judge a book by its cover because um, it only tells people who you are. It doesn't tell people who, who they are. Um, stereotypes to me don't mean a whole lot um, except for it shows the other person's ignorance, I'd say, and, and assuming that that's how somebody is. Um, yeah, so I guess this is uh, for the people who didn't really answer the first question. But um, has there been any time stereotypes have hurt, threatened, or impacted you? Um, so for me, I guess an example of like where it hurt me or impacted me um, is because like in my in my culture, or rather um, where I grew up at, um, the community that we do have, and because everyone's like really close, um, and there's even like stereotypes within ethnicities. It's not just like people on the outside having thoughts about us, it's, um, or your ethnicity, it's more like everyone um, has their own preconceived notion of how you should be, I guess, to fit into each other. Um, and so, like, for example, for me, like, I was labeled really weird as a kid because, um, like, I really loved K-pop and I really loved Asian food and I really loved, like, everything outside of what was felt like to be the average black African-American teenage girl or things like that. And so it, it was very hurtful and sort of still is because I still have experiences like that where I'll tell someone my interests and I'll get back hmm, why is that? Like, that's unusual, and why can't that sh just be me and my interest and not like, oh, you're just an oddball. Um, so it's very um, hurtful when it comes to comments like that, and you feel like you have to defend yourself, but you shouldn't. Um, and those are just like positions that I've been put in throughout the years, so. Um. Yeah, so stereotypes, I mean, being raised Mennonite, being adopted, growing up in Goshen, and then being black, like, there's a lot of identity issues that come with that. Um, so then when you hear, you know, people calling you things or assuming that you're in this category or in this group or do this mannerism, like, as we talked about earlier, it's really draining. Um, and it, it leads you down a lot of different paths that you don't need to go down because you don't need to prove it to anybody. Um, so yeah, growing up and still now, like finding, finding what I am truly passionate about, um, regardless of my skin color, regardless of like my upbringing, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm all about and what I care about. Um, so you know, I'm 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 grateful for all those 
kind of negative experiences that have gotten me to this point now. Um, but yeah, stereotypes can definitely play a role in, in a certain person's life. Yeah, um, so for me, I think two stereotypes that impact me often or that I think about on a regular would be, um, first, the um, angry black woman stereotype and this idea that black women are very angry, um, bitter, aggressive, like we talked about earlier. Um, and then also, on the other end, the strong black woman stereotype of that black women are naturally resilient, which we are, um, but to the extreme of where we can just handle anything and we should just accept being mistreated and just take things as they are because I'm strong and I can handle it. Um, and I think that affects me because it's really hard for me to freely feel my emotions um, because I'm often second guessing, well, am I overreacting? Can I really, and I find myself pushing myself through things that I shouldn't push through and then after the fact being like, I probably shouldn't have just pushed through that. Or if I'm angry, telling myself, oh, I need to calm down because I don't want to come off like this angry black woman. Um, and so it just, I feel like I have to filter my emotions to make sure I'm not playing into those stereotypes. So it makes it really hard to just feel the things that I want to feel. Was there ever a time when you had to change who you were or act differently? And if so, what did you do in that situation? Um, so I had an experience where um, I was doing a job interview over the phone. And um, it's just, yeah. And um, I was doing a job interview over the phone. And we were just talking. Um, and they asked me about my interests and why I wanted the job and things like that. And it went pretty well. Like, I thought everything was fine. Like, he was like, all right, come in for an um, a in-person interview. So I came in, and it just completely knocked them, like, off their, off their rocker. Like, I feel like they were not expecting me to come up, to show up, even though they spoke with me. It's like, oh, you're a woman who's African-American. Okay. Uh, so I got, like, the interview where it was like, oh, thank you for coming. All right, goodbye. Um, and so, like, I just turned around and walked out because you could just see the expressions on their, on their face where it was just like, oh, we were not expecting you, you to show up. Um, we expected someone completely different, the person who had that great conversation with great um, pronunciation and just sounded amazing. Um, and so even though I still presented that in person, it was not the same being there. Um, presented that on the phone, it wasn't the same as being there. So, yeah. um, I think in a lot of cases, we've all had to be a different person in order to, like I say, make the person feel comfortable. Um, and it could be something as simple as a job interview um, I used to go by my middle name, but I only go by my first name now because my middle name is Makia. Um, so Lauren just, I guess, on paper sounds more professional when people talk to me on the phone and then they meet me in person, they're like, oh, we didn't know you were black, you know? Um, but I also find that it happens the other way too. When people come and talk to me, they change. Um, I think they change to the point where they're kind of trying to talk like others in, I know, how do I describe this? Others in my community, um, they'll leave their R's off of words, even though, I mean, I don't, but. Um, 
So they'll try to, I don't know how to explain this. What do I want to say? They'll want to talk hip-hop? Like, I don't, I don't, under, I don't understand. Um, but when people talk to me, I can see that their personality changed because they're trying to make a connection with me, which, I mean, that's cool, that's fine. But imagine, like, if we could all just be ourselves. Like, how much easier would life be if we could just all just come out the door and just be us? But it's just the little things like that. But, you know, you endure. It's not like it's something that is stopping me or us from, from being our life. It's just the little thing. It's like the little band-aid that we put on a cut and then we go out in the real world. That's it. You know, it'd be easier if we didn't have it, but we do, and then we move on. Thank you. So we have one last question um, for you guys, and it's kind of a fun one, but um, what music do you feel represents you? <laughs> you want me to answer that? Um, I, we talked about this yesterday, and I would say that the first answer is, is probably an easy one for people to guess. I'm from Chicago, a Jace, because Lauren doesn't like when I say I'm from Chicago. Um, but, you know, I wear pink polos and all that, so I'm a huge Kanye West fan. Um, yes, you can clap for him. Um, <laughs> I, I like that he's not afraid to tell you what he's thinking and he's brash, and I think the people that know me would probably say that that can be me sometimes. But I also can sing every line to every Adele song that she's ever written. <laughs> so those, those two represent me well. I, I like everything. I, I really do. I, I just I want to listen to everything. I don't think one type of music describes me because... I'm in different moods, so I might have a, need an aggressive mood. I might, I might need hardcore or something. Sometimes I listen to country. I love Dixie Chicks. If we ever have a karaoke night here, call me. Um, <laughs> so I want people to know that I listen to pretty much every, except for K-pop. I'm sorry. I haven't gotten into it yet. I'm trying. Shout out to you, Liz. It's okay. I'm trying. No offense. No offense taken. Um, <laughs> um, I, I also listen to everything, actually. Um, yeah, I really enjoy um, just all types of music. Um, music I understand, music I don't understand. Um, <laughs> but yeah, K-pop is like, not K-pop. I'm going to say BTS. If there's any armies in the world, that's what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> come over to the other side. Um, no, but it's really good. Um, I, I love everything. It's nice. Uh, if it sounds good and has a good beat, I'll probably listen to it. Uh, Kevin right there, we listen to a lot of different stuff. I mean, the typical kind of like R&B, hip-hop, of course, but growing up the way I did, my dad and my brother showed me a lot of like what I would call white music at the time, but it kind of it, it expanded my, my knowledge of music and growing up kind of partially through college. I mean, I played three instruments. I was in choir. I did everything. So... Music to me is a big deal, um, something I don't share that much as I get older, but it's kind of like a big part of who I am. So, um, For me, I would say R&B for sure. Um, her, Ari Lennox, um, 90s R&B also, and then hip hop. Um, and I also like Spanish music, reggaeton, like music that you can dance to, <laughs> but yeah. All right, we'd like to thank all of you for coming up today and being brave and courageous and sharing your true selves. Um, 
in the best way possible. We're not quite done. We're not quite done. We have a little bit more. We have a little bit more. Yeah, sit down. Uh, we have a little bit more. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you again to our BSU leaders, to Zach, to Kara, and to Alicia. This was fun for us, um, but it was also important for us to have this conversation in this space with all of you. Um, BSU leaders were talking last night and part of our plan is to continue the conversation in March and to do it in a different venue and so kind of unpacking some of the things that you've heard here. Um, so we want to put that on your radar. We want you to process what you have heard. Um, Dr. Regina, can you get ready to advance that clicker in just a moment? Um, we want you to process it and think about who you are and how you relate to others on our campus, in our community, and in the world. Um, so again, thank you to our BSU leaders, to our black students, faculty, and staff for sharing your stories with us. You have gifted us with language and perspective that can guide us in being better connected in community. We celebrate you this Black History Month. Let's give them another uh, round of applause. At Goshen College, we affirm commitment to our efforts to honor the individual identities of every member of our community. Sometimes we get it right, and sometimes we don't. However, we can always do better at lifting up and supporting one another across communities of difference. <clears throat> Last semester, we learned of incidents and conversations across campus that threatened this very principle of inclusion and experience of belonging. Anyone was here last semester? Yeah. Anyone was here last semester? Hello. I didn't say, did you do anything? I said, were you here? Y'all like, all right. <clears throat> so at administration, advisors, and their students have begun to brainstorm ways that we can support students that were impacted by those experiences. These efforts have resulted in a new campaign, and we are introducing that to you today. It is called hashtag do better GC. Now this is a phrase that I use and I've heard and I've heard in my community and I've heard in the community here, do better. You just need sometimes people to do just a little bit better than what they're doing. Be more thoughtful, take a pause, check your own biases, um, question why you thought what you thought about someone before you say it. So as a part of this, um, this is a campaign for us to call ourselves to action, to do better and be better in community together. You will hear more about this over the next several months, and this may even go into next school year, but we are introducing it to you today. I've seen articles that have been written, I've heard conversations, and there is an outcry, if you will, for people to do better. Just do better, GC, do better. Why? Because we can and we should. Don't get the next slide. Um, 
this is our three-month plan for right now. This is our month to introduce the campaign, so ta-da, I've introduced it to us all on today. Um, what I'm calling inReach, or what we are calling inReach, the word came from me, but the concept came from the people that have gathered to brainstorm this. With the words that were scrawled across campus at some point, they targeted individuals. With some of the conversations or some of the reports that I've seen, they're targeting individuals of identities. And so what we want to do is take care of people who have been impacted by experiences of people doing less than instead of more than. So we are reaching out to student groups, to individuals. We are supporting them with what they need. That may be a conversation. That may be resources. It may be some self-care and nurture. We are taking care of those that have been impacted. So I want to say, if you have been impacted and you need processing space or you need support, please email me or come up to me or email us at dei at goshen.edu. That is the inReach. The other part of that is a call for collaboration. I'm going to read what I wrote because it was a good sentence and we worked really hard on making sure <laughs> that I captured it. Um, we also extend this call to collaboration for all members of our campus community. In March and April, we will continue the work with individual communities and we will roll out collaborative programming across campus. If you, if you, Look around, I'm gonna go church for a minute. Look at your neighbor and say, if you, if you, if you, you don't have to say it anymore, amen. <laughs> if you, your team, your organization, your department, okay, stop talking to your friends. That's, that happens in churches too, people just keep having conversation. But no, seriously, if you, your team, your organization, your department, your friend group, have an idea that you want to come up with. The thing is, we're not gonna do the work. We all need to do the work. So if there's something that you want to do programming-wise, we would love to collaborate to bring these things to be. And so please email us your ideas, your questions at dei at goshen.edu. Hashtag what? Do better GC. That's our campaign. That's what we're called to do. Zach. Uh, yeah, I just want to thank some people. I have it written down because I don't want to miss anyone. So, um, we would like to thank our panelists once again uh, for what they did. Yeah. Um, we would like to thank ITS for pulling this sound together. The event staff, of course. We would also like to thank the event staff. The chapel and convocation committee for allowing us to have this convocation today. And last, but very much not least, our interpreters, Amber Tate and Taylor Kosick. Uh, the last thing is BSU meets at 7 p.m. on Tuesdays in the intercultural student space, Wise 108B, on the first floor. Um, please join us. All right, you're free to go now. <laughs>